Hi, New Legacy Linden. This is Ann Johnson, your lead pastor, and I am so excited to be sharing this week's message with you as we continue our series on Church of Uncomfortable Conversations. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the sermons and the things that we have talked about earlier in the mini-series, you can go to our website, www.newlegacylinden.com, and it is all available on our homepage. Before I continue our series today, I just had a couple of announcements. This week, we are meeting at Bender Park for Church in the Park. So meet us in the fields by the play structures. Bring camping chairs, picnic blankets. We're going to let our kids play while we talk about this week's message. If you attend New Legacy Linden and it is your home church, your community, then we invite you to give through www.newlegacylinden.com. Go to the support page and give from there. We have been able to give so generously in the last couple of months during the coronavirus pandemic, and that is all thanks to your generous contributions of tithes and offerings to the church. And lastly, if you have not downloaded the Faith Life app to your phone, I highly encourage you to do so. I'm going to pray before I begin to teach on this week's message. Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, we thank you that um, we get to be in community with each other. I pray that we would not be afraid to talk about hard things and grow in our faith and love of you and in our love for each other. Lord, I thank you for the incredible blessing that it is to lead this church. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to grow, that we would would be known by the people outside of our church community as people who love each other well. Lord, I pray that I would not get in the way of what you want to speak through me for this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So while I was praying about what this week's message was going to be about, it became very clear that there there is no better time to talk about the uncomfortable topic of conflict. And here's the thing, because I know you, I can feel some of you cringe as I say conflict or if I said confrontation because you hate it. It makes you uncomfortable. It stresses you out. It's not your jam. You probably wince a little bit when you hear it. And maybe you even die a little bit when you know you have to have confrontation. And as I was praying about what to share this week, I wanted to talk about something that didn't just maybe make me uncomfortable um, because honestly, conflict and confrontation doesn't. But I know in my time in pastoral ministry, it's probably something that I have to talk to people about (laughs) and kind of just share about how to handle conflict. And so today, this week, we're going to be talking about conflict and how uncomfortable that can be. So first and foremost, we need to address what is conflict? 
So in your mind, as you're listening to this right now, just think about some instances in your life where you have had to have conflict and you you maybe needed to confront somebody. And so here's here's the definition of it. I have several. A serious disagreement or argument. A condition in which a person experiences a clash of opposing wishes or needs. An incompatibility between two or more opinions, principles, and interests. I don't know about you, but that seems like most of my Facebook feed is conflict. And in a day and an age where we have so many keyboard warriors, I think it gets heightened. And I believe as Christians, if you are a Christian, a Christ follower, I believe it is so incredibly important for us to know how to handle conflict in a way that honors the Lord. You see, I believe that our sin causes conflict between us and God as as well as us and others. And it's not just a belief that comes out of this thin air that I believe our sin causes this, but as we see through the entire biblical narrative, our sin causes a conflict between us and God, and that's why Jesus came, to help restore our relationship. And when our sin causes conflict between us and God, there's a breaking. The sin breaks this relationship, and Jesus comes and heals and brings restoration and reconciliation to our relationship. That through Christ, we have this opportunity. But usually our sin in relationship with people around us also causes conflict. Whether it is pride, anger, selfishness, that causes conflict between people and people. So what should we do when there's conflict between believers? What should we do? We see in Matthew 18, 15 15 through 20, if there is a believer, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you ha- you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by one or two witnesses. Oh, sorry, two to three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it, to, do it for you. For where two or, or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So when another believer sins against you, the Bible is very clear. You go to that person privately. And go is incredibly, it's an active verb. You go to them. You do it privately. You don't don't blast them on Facebook. 
when somebody causes a personal offense to you and that other person is a believer and you are a believer, these are pretty standard ways on how to handle it. You point out the offense. If that person receives it and they ask for forgiveness, they confess their sin, they ask for forgiveness, you won them back. The question is, what did you win them back to? We're going to address that later, but I wanted to touch on it, that you're winning them back and bringing them back into that relationship with you. But there are circumstances, as Matthew points out, where somebody might not confess, they might not listen and confess their sin. So what do you do? The Bible talks about bringing other people into the conversation, not so you gang up on the person who caused the offense. But for prayer, for accountability, but also just for wisdom, that you're bringing people into the conversation because the entire point of the conversation is restore the person who caused the offense, restore them into the relationship. And if they're unwilling to listen and the church has to step in, the Bible says, if they're unwilling to change, if they're unwilling to listen and apologize and confess, this is what we do. In Romans 12, 14, 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Mm, I know we're not all good at that. I know that I struggle with that. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be too proud or enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. The passage, that, that, the one verse that sticks out to me from Romans 12, 14 through 21. Well, honestly. All of them stick out to me, but 18 particularly. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And right now, in the midst of everything going on with our nation, we cannot bury our heads in the sand and pretend there isn't conflict. That it isn't grievous sins that are causing more division amongst communities, amongst family members. It is unwise of us to not call conflict for what it is, to not acknowledge that it is sin that breaks relationship, sin that causes conflict. And we see that scripture continually talks about conflict. And I say in church all the time, if we're seeing repeated narratives and themes throughout the Bible, it means that it is important. And trust me, there's a host of examples of conflict between people and God, people and people, nations and people. 
And the Bible is so good at helping us and equipping us on how to handle conflict. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. It means that our goal is to be in peace, not to cause more division. And an important thing to point out even in that, what does it actually mean to live in peace with everyone? Does it mean that you become a doormat? That you want to just not do anything that's going to rock the boat? See, the thing is, we should be peacemakers, not peace not a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers will not say the hard things because you want to avoid rocking the boat, even if you know things need to be said. Peacemakers are willing to say and do the hard things to confront sin, to call sin out, to have the hard conversation of confrontation against an offense and a sin for the sake of greater kingdom peace in a relationship and in a community. And I have seen people take scripture out of context to justify we are not, why we are not engaging in wisdom, in truth, and in love, in hard conversations that does require the peace of God to come in and overflow because we're trying to be peacekeepers. When we are called to be peacemakers, we cannot be satisfied with an artificial peace of not rocking the boat because we don't want to offend people, because we don't want to have uncomfortable conversations. Because the truth can be offensive, but it can be said in love and in grace with a heart for restoration. And we as believers should have a heart to restore people. So what should we do when we have conflict with people who don't share the same faith as us? I just shared from Matthew and Romans ways that we can handle conflict between believers. But what do we do when somebody doesn't share the same faith as you? The Bible has examples on that too. Romans is applicable here too. Romans 12, 14 through 21. I think 2 Timothy 2, 23, 26 comes into play is applicable here. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant comments that only starts fight. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Honestly, that works for between believers also. That we would be wise to not get involved in foolish, com in ignorant conversations that only starts fights. See, the thing about conflict is that it requires wisdom. That as servants of the Lord, as Christians, we look straight up foolish when we are arguing with each other on ignorant, foolish things. 
when we quarrel amongst each other on things that the Bible is incredibly clear about, when we struggle to be kind to people, when we struggle to teach and be patient to difficult people, because here's the thing, perhaps God will change those hearts and they will learn the truth that when we have conflict with people in the same faith and out of faith, or sorry, that that's not how to, I want to share that. But when we have conflict with people who share the same faith and people who don't, all those conflicts are opportunities. And you're probably thinking, what? <laughs> how are conflicts opportunities? I thought you said we just shouldn't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Here's the thing. Conflicts are started, are rooted and caused by our own sin. Maybe the conflict between us, not maybe, definitely. The conflict between us and God is from the sin in our lives that we need healing, freedom, forgiveness from. But the conflicts amongst people is also often rooted in sin. And where there is sin, where there's conflict, there's opportunities for restoration. If there is a, if there's conflict, then there's opportunities to point people to Jesus. For us as believers to point each other to Jesus. But when we have conflict and we need to address things with somebody who does not share the same faith as us, that is an opportunity for us to appoint them to Jesus. That is an opportunity for us to show them who Christ is by the way that we love them, by our kindness, by the way that we're able to teach and be patient, even in the midst of difficult conversations. You see, conflicts are opportunities. Our heart and our desire in all conflict is to point people to Jesus, but oftentimes our pride can easily point people away from him. That in conflict, in these opportunities, we get to experience the very thing that we preach. We preach the gospel is about the conflict that our sin creates between us and God and Jesus came. So we can experience forgiveness, restoration, reconciliation. We preach about God's grace and his forgiveness, but how can we experience it tangibly if we do not give and receive that same grace and forgiveness from someone else? We preach about forgiveness, but what does it say about forgiveness if we never are willing to give forgiveness to someone else or receive it for ourselves? That the lofty idea and the grand idea and the grand understanding of the gospel is not that hard. But it is interesting how we can preach all these things and refuse to experience it in the conflict that we have with one another. I can say all day long and teach all day long about the incredible experience of forgiveness, grace, and mercy that I receive from God because of Jesus but it is in conflict that I can pour out that mercy, forgiveness, and grace to somebody if there is an offense and a hurt that needs to be talked about. That we are experiencing what we preach when we are willing to engage in conflict in wisdom. We are to show Christ in us and through us in difficult conversations. Here's the thing, don't be foolish. 
Don't go looking for conflict, but don't avoid it. If you know it needs to be done, if it's something needs to be talked about, if you're seeking conflict to hurt people, if we are seeking conflict to hurt people, then we are fools. If we are confronting people for the sake of canceling them out in cancel culture, we are fools. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture. If we are looking for conflict because we want to take our frustration out on someone else, then we are fools. Don't be a fool. Don't go seeking conflict for the sake of conflict because you want opportunity. That is man-made, manufactured opportunities. But be tender-hearted to the Spirit of the Lord as he gives you opportunities to experience the very thing that you preach. You see, I believe that our ability to handle conflict in a way that honors Jesus truly reveals our heart for God. Because our heart in conflict, in every conflict, in every confrontation, is to point people to Jesus, to bring them back into the truth, or to show them who Christ is by the way we engage with them on really difficult conversations, on really difficult things. I have this rule that I live by. I try to live by. I'm not perfect in any sense of the word. But I have a three-day rule. And this piece of advice was given to me by my very first boss in ministry. He reminded me first that the majority of the problems that we think we have with someone else is really an issue that we have with God. And we just want to take it out on them. So you're unsure if you need to confront somebody and have a difficult conversation with them, an uncomfortable conversation with them. You need to spend time in prayer to reflect on whether or not that's an issue that you actually have with them or if that's an issue that you have with Jesus. But the rule that he advised me to do was my three-day prayer rule. That if something happens, Take, if somebody hurts you, if somebody causes an offense, take time to step back from the emotion and spend three days in prayer. In three days, if God is not revealed to you that that is an issue between you and him, but it, but it's an, it's something that you need to take to that person, then you've had three days to prayerfully Prepare for a difficult conversation. Because in order to have conflict and have hard conversations, confrontations in a way that our heart is to restore people to the gospel, to show people the goodness of God, that requires patience and wisdom. We are in an incredibly divided and difficult time in our nation, in the church, in the history of the church. We will look back at this time. There is conflict everywhere, which means that there are opportunities everywhere to point people to Jesus. But we have to ensure that our pride 
does not get in the way, so we are pointing people away from Jesus. I have so many friends right now who are asking hard questions, looking for the church for answers, and what they are seeing on social media is the immense divide the hurtful comments from churchgoers, the keyboard warriors, and they're trying to see Christ in that, but they're not. It is in difficult conversation, in conflict, that we show Christ in us and through us. My heart for us as a church is that we would love each other so well that one, it will be a testimony to people who do not know Jesus to see a community of faith that loves each other well and loves God well. But that we would love each other so much that we would be willing to have difficult conversations so that we can experience the very thing that we preach. Do we seek out those things so we can manufacture opportunities to experience what we preach? No. But because we are all human, we are all on a journey, we will say things that are hurtful, whether intentionally or not. And we should love each other so much as brothers and sisters in Christ that we are willing to confront those things head on for the sake and the heart of restoring each other in relationship with one another. If I have said something that has offended you or hurt you and it's still bothering you, please let me know. Because honestly, that is an opportunity for me to learn and grow so I don't do that again. That we, I want to end on the note that we want to avoid conflict, but we can't. We can't dig our head into the sand and pretend it doesn't exist. It exists because sin exists. And I believe that God wants to turn conflicts into opportunities. There is something immensely powerful to not just preach forgiveness, mercy, and grace, but to actually experience it from God and experience it from people. I know even in my own life that my marriage has been strengthened when we are willing to take conflict as opportunities to show each other Christ and to restore each other, Riley and I, in relationship with one another, in relationship with God. So I end on this, these questions that I would love for you to reflect on. How do you feel about conflict? Why do you feel that way? Is there conflict with somebody else in your life right now that you need to take as an opportunity to restore and point them to Christ? So how do you feel about conflict? Why do you feel that way about conflict? And is, are there conflicts in your life with people that you know you need to have a difficult conversation with?
It is such an honor to be your pastor and journey with you as we all grow in our love of God and in our love for one another. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you are so good and you are so holy and you are so righteous. God, I pray that we would be a people who would not shy away from difficult conversations, who do not shy away and run away from conflict. But Lord, we will face them in wisdom and in truth and in love, seeing them as opportunities to point people to you. God, I pray that in this immensely divided time in our nation, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, on how to interact with people that you would give us the boldness to be peacemakers, that you would give us the boldness to speak truth in love and in courage. I pray that we would take so more time soaking in your presence, seeking your wisdom, leaning into your guiding, leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit before we go out into the world. Convict us, Lord, if there are times in our days that need to be spent with you instead of doing other things. Give us wisdom, give us patience, and help us align not just our speech but our actions with the truth that we see in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a reminder, we'll see you at Bender Park tomorrow, Thursday. Thursday, June 25th at 6.30. Bring chairs and picnic blankets.